Thank you for joining us for another episode of our SDBC podcast. Today, Pastor Paul and I address the tragedy of the bodies found on the sites of the residential schools. We discuss what a biblical response to this tragedy looks like, what it means to truly be good neighbors, what God's vision for his people is, and why it is so important to really listen and learn in tough situations like these. We hope that this episode is helpful. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode of SDBC Podcast. Um, Today, Mary and I have a very difficult topic um, that causes our hearts to be heavy. We're talking about the remains of the 215 children that were discovered in Kamloops. Uh, We've addressed it as a church uh, a couple weeks ago, but we wanted to do an episode to really delve into this idea of how do we respond to such tragic news like this as Christians, as Christ followers, and as responsible Canadian citizens as well. This lays heavily on our hearts, um, as it should, and I'm sure many Canadians are hurt by this, but of course, especially our Indigenous communities, our our friends and neighbours in the Indigenous communities. Right here in Tawasin, we have the Tawasin First Nation and many others that are literally our neighbors and we know the hurt that this has uncovered yet again. So we wanted to help our church family and help other Christ followers process this together. Sometimes as Christians, we're at a loss to see how do we move forward with this new information that we found or how do we do better? Because a lot of people have been saying we need to do better. We need to be better. So we want to kind of explore that today in this episode. So Mary, before we get to a, a biblically appropriate response, let's start with our personal responses. So I know this must have hit you hard as well, Mary. So how has it hit you? Absolutely. Well, like I'm sure everyone processing this, it's just devastating. The sadness and the disbelief almost that comes with it. Um, but then also just thinking about how, you know, when you learn about residential schools in school, it's often something that we think of that you know happened hundreds of years in the past and though we're still healing from it it's something that you can sort of distance yourself from because of the the actual chronological time mm-hmm. but this the last residential school to close in Canada closed in 1996 which is the year I was born so only 24 years ago so I've seen friends of mine talking about their grandparents who endured this, and it's something that's so still real and that we're still reeling from because it just happened, it just finished. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was just struck with not only the devastation of the news, but also realizing how fresh this all still is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and what about you? Yeah, I mean, it's been tough, like you say. I think it has to impact everyone, whether, I guess we could differ in how we respond to it, but, you know, it's tragic. I know, you know, some people can say tragedies like this are reported every day. There's murders, there's corruption, there's abuse. Um, But certainly this has to be one of the most shameful parts of our history. Um, And I think we have to face that as Canadians. Um, I'm a naturalized Canadian citizen, right? I wasn't born into this country. Uh, My family immigrated here while I was very young, but still, um, I I recognize that I am proud to be a Canadian. I've wanted to be a Canadian. Our family decided and applied for Canadian citizenship, right? We we weren't born into it. And yet, this these moments right we have we have a few for sure but this is one of those moments where we go yeah we do need to do better um, and we can be better and 
you know, I have not lost my love for the nation of Canada. I'm deeply, passionately um, all for Canada still, but I think these are parts that we have to address. And me personally, I've grown to love our TFN friends here, the Tawasin First Nation community. I've served um, alongside them for eight and a half years in ministry. In fact, the reason I became a pastor was because I fell in love with ministry at the TFN church that I served. Um, it was a church of sometimes zero people and sometimes eight. Sometimes when we had 30, it was like a huge party because we felt like we were the biggest mega church in the world. Um, I've, I've had helped uh, my friends there um, get married. I was part of their wedding and I've had people baptized um, from that community. I've also done funerals there. Um, it's, it's a deeply um, hurtful thing for this community right now not just the TFN, I get it. But for me, I have a personal tie to this community and I've received gifts of, you know, their traditional blankets and things like this. And I, I have one right here actually in the office as we record this. But as I think about all these things that God's allowed me to see, um, I'm not trying to say by any means that I'm an expert on relationships with the First Nation communities, Indigenous communities. Um, but I've grown to love them personally, get to know them and have a deep respect for them. And because of that, I think this hurts me a little bit more. Um, I literally have friends that I would consider one of my best friends who now passed away a few years ago. Um, he was from the indigenous community and he helped me learn a lot about their history, um, some of their hurts and pains from the past. And I think this really brings back a lot of those memories of those conversations with him as well. So yeah, personally, deeply hurtful. And also um, it left me wondering, what can I do better? What can our church do better? What can our neighborhood, what can Tawasin, what can Ladner do better um, with, with this? Mm-hmm. So like you said at the beginning, it was the 215 bodies in Kamloops that sparked all of this in the media just recently. But as of today, when we film this, it's up to 572 already. So in light of this growing tragedy, um, how would you say what would you say the biblical response to this is? Yeah, I mean, I, I get that our, our podcast episode title was 215 mm-hmm. because this is what sparked it for our province, for our nation. And I, I get it. It's now globally being covered. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, well over 500 and tragically most assuming that this will climb, this number will continue to climb. So how do we process this as a, as a Christian? Uh, for me, I've helped our church um, go through this by preaching um, on the Sunday when this was all heavy on our hearts. Um, we happened to be going through a, more of an apologetics series. And the question we were handling that day, the topic of the day was, if God is good, then why is there so much evil in this world? Um, the question is so relevant to what we're going through as a nation right now. So I, I fully leaned in on it and addressed this quite straightforward. Um, so just to summarize, because that was a very long sermon, I get that. Um, but just to summarize some of the points from there, I, I turned to Luke, uh, Luke chapter 10, right? This is a, the parable of the Good Samaritan. This is a story that many Christians and non-Christians are aware of. We even have awards like the Good Samaritan Award. This, this phrase, Good Samaritan, actually comes basically from this parable. And in Luke chapter 10 in the parable, um, when a lawyer asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus tells a story, right? He tells a story who, of a man who got beaten up and he's laying on the street, um, left half dead basically. Um, and then three people walk by, the priest walks by and then he sees this person 
and then he passed by on the other side. A Levite, who is another religious leader in the Jewish community at the time, walks by, and then he sees this person and says, well, I'm going to pass by on the other side. And then the third person, which is the good Samaritan, the third Samaritan, the third person, the Samaritan comes by, and here's what the Bible says in verse 33 in Luke chapter 10. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And that really struck me as I was processing this personally and hoping to lead our church in in processing this together. God's very nature is compassionate, right? God is a compassionate God. And in Luke 10, Jesus tells a story of this is the proper response. When you see hurt, pain, a person beaten down, half dead, laying hopelessly and in desperate need of help. When we see situations like this in life, God's expectation of us, especially those who follow him, is that we would not pass on by, Mm -hmm. that we would pause and that we would respond with compassion. I've talked to too many Christians, including myself at times, where we see tragedies like these and we go, well, this is the sinful and broken world. Mm -hmm. What else do you expect? Turn on the news. This doesn't just happen in Canada. This kind of corruption, oppression, tragedy, vile, cruel, criminal kind of thing happens all over the world and every single day. And I am absolutely in agreement with that. But that doesn't mean we should we shouldn't pause to grieve and be filled with sorrow at the brokenness of it. I also talked about John um, um, in the book of John where Jesus weeps when he sees the death of his dear friend Lazarus, even though Jesus can undo all of that, even though Jesus is about to bring him back to life, Jesus authentically and genuinely weeps because every time he sees brokenness and the consequence of sin, which is death, it causes him to grieve. So I think as a collective body of Christians, our church needs to grieve together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I use this example before too, but if, if you have a 12-year-old girl who says, I've been raped, um, the automatic response for us is, wow, we're hurt. We listen, we try our best. We don't even know what to say, what to do, but we try our best to be there. We don't say, well, honey, a lot of other people get raped too. That would be a horribly insensitive and inappropriate response. So I think as Christians, if we are not um, compassionate, if we're not hurt ourselves by this, and if we don't have a deep compassion for people directly impacted by this, if we don't have a desire to help them, I think something's wrong. I think we're not reflecting God's character well. Definitely. And another passage uh, we used for that sermon was Matthew 25. So I just want to read it today. It's a longer passage, but verses 31 to 40 says this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then 
Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, you did as you did it to one of the least of my brothers. You did it to me. Mm-hmm. And this here is a huge call, a huge charge for us that we are, as you said, to be compassionate as God is compassionate in his nature. Um, like you mentioned, we so often can think, you know, as long as I'm just not overtly sinning, as long as I'm not walking around murdering anyone mm-hmm. or stealing or lighting things on fire that I'm doing okay. But God has created us for so much more. And because that he created us in his image. Mm -hmm. And so we are charged with this very high charge of being compassionate Mm -hmm. and doing all of these things that we've read about here. Um, Yeah. So God has given us this command to love one another and also the perfect example of Jesus when he came to earth and Mm -hmm. he did this and he practiced this and he talked to the woman at the well and Mm -hmm. he did all of these things. And he was the perfect example of this compassion that we are called to. Um, And so I'll just keep reading the the final section of this verse because it really, really makes it all hit home. When in verse 41, it says, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for you for the devils and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit, visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? He then will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do this to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Mm -hmm. So we see this here that when we are not responding out of compassion and care it's 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 a sin in itself and we will be punished that punished for that we will have to answer to that Mm -hmm. so when we see these atrocities in the world you know we can't just walk on by we can't Mm -hmm. we are called to action to compassion yeah absolutely and it's so clear here yeah and i mean if 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 anyone listening is feeling a little convicted and saying, wow, I, we do need to do better and we do need to re- reflect God's character and being compassionate and caring for his creation, deeply caring for them. And it's actually sinful not to. Mm-hmm. It's sinful to walk right on by. Um, then you might wonder, well, what do I do? What do I do? And I think there's levels to this, right? We talked about this in previous podcast episodes, but we don't need people to just feel shame and guilt um, for no reason, Right sometimes we get into this mode. Like I remember when my mother-in-law passed away, my wife, Sarah, she's the type of person who likes people around her when there's things like this. Um, Whereas I'm the opposite, leave me alone. I need to go into my room and Mm -hmm. have nothing for a while and I need to process. Um, But for Sarah, um, she had friends who texted her and then she had other people from church that um, wrote on her Facebook, thinking of you and praying for you. And then she had her aunt, who who stayed uh, who came over from the island and stayed with us like 
there there are different levels of depending on your relationship with the person who's going through the grief or the sorrow there's different ways there there are moments where you're going to you're going to you're you're her best friend so you come and even if you don't know what to say you just sit there and you just hold her hand and you cry with her you let her cry on your shoulders there there's those moments and then there's like people like maybe someone who are a little bit more distant in relationship but still want to show them that we're thinking of you and praying for them which might just send a send quick text message mm-hmm. or drop off a flower in their house or at their doors there's different ways to do this and i get it not everyone will have the same experience with the first nation community that i might have or someone else who have a deeper connection and relationship but we all have ways to encourage listen and help be better as a nation and as a as a city and as a community. Mm-hmm. So um I think it's interesting when we sometimes like with the African American and the um African Americans and the racial tension down south especially and here in Canada as well and the Asian hate, right? And then now Islamophobia at the other side of our country. Um and of course this um the residential schools and our relationship with the indigenous communities in North America what i find is sometimes there it sounds like there's so many of these things what do i give my attention and my resources and my time to right so let's zoom out and just talk about racism or prejudice at large the danger of that i think is it would be like going back to that example of a 12-year-old girl who was raped and saying let's talk about rape in general and i get it that's needed because we need to fix that in general not just in this specific but someone needs to also let this girl cry on their shoulder like there's also individual attention needed as well mhm yeah i think if we zoom out and stay in that zoomed out perspective for the entire way that we process things we're just going to fall back into that numb attitude of yeah. these things happen all the time yeah and i think zooming out and and dealing with the bigger problem the roots of the issue racism sin in our hearts that is absolutely needed so we're not suggesting that we don't do that However, we don't do that at the expense of not listening. Mm-hmm. When the 12-year-old girl comes to you and trusts you with this, then the the whole point is that you should sit there and listen, not say, "Okay, I'm going to get to work. You sit here and wait. I'll get back to you in 2 years when I have something um something changing in the world." That's not really the point of that, right? So for us, I think especially because of us who live uh who are part of our church family because we live in proximity with the Twasan First Nation community, I think our best approach would be to obviously be praying for them, to hurt with them and be be grieving with them, but also to listen well. Mm-hmm. I had a missionary friend um about 10 years ago when we had that earthquake, major earthquake in Haiti. I had a friend who was a missionary there at the time and knew the culture, knew the people way better than I would. And I remember lots of Christian and non-Christian um organizations sent so much money and relief funds and other supplies. And as a part of that, I remember um this missionary friend telling me there were lots of organizations who sent lots of rice to Haiti, thinking that we need to help them um be fed during this really um huge crisis, this natural disaster. And then the missionary friend told me, "Well, the rice is one real booming and thriving industry in Haiti." but because all these relief efforts sent free rice to this country now their economy mm-hmm. wasn't being helped it was actually being destroyed by this people who were meaning to help doing it out of good intentions and good hearts paying a lot of their hard earned money because they didn't listen first it ended up potentially destroying a lot of their industry and of course that's not what they would have wanted mm-hmm. but that's the potential danger when we assume we know how to help 
right? And I think in situations like this, we often go in and thinking, oh, I want to be, if I were them, I would want to be helped like this, and therefore I'm going to do this. I think the best approach and the most Christ-honoring approach and the most dignifying approach would be to listen, to humble ourselves and actually say, we don't know everything about your community, your culture, your pains and your hurts. And if you tell me to go away, that's fine too. I'm okay with that. But I feel like I need to be a better citizen. I need to be a better neighbor because God calls me to that. Mm -hmm. So if you're willing to share with me how I could do my neighbor role better as a Christ follower, I, I'm, I'm here to listen and I'm here to learn. I think that humble approach is probably most Christ-like and Christ-honoring. Mm -hmm. So if, if we have people in our church wondering, um, how are we as a church corporately listening? I mean, individuals need to do this and process this with your own families, with, their, with your own colleagues and all that stuff. But as a church, we have had a relationship with the Tuasa First Nation community. Now with the pandemic, that's been very difficult to continue ministry in the way that we used to do. But we are, uh, we've already reached out. We are praying for them, of course, and we want to continue to learn from them and, and listen well. And we want to do this as a team. We have a fantastic team serving the First Nation community on behalf of our church too. So we want to continue to empower them and through them, um, reach out to this community that's hurting right now. And we're also meeting with other First Nations leaders that can teach us. Um, we've actually um, had a Christian man who is part of the indigenous community that who has a passion to help churches better understand our indigenous communities that are in our neighborhoods. Um, so we, we actually want to meet with them as well. We're planning to meet with him to see what we can learn mm -hmm. and see what the next steps would be as a church family, especially in light of the fact that we already have a ministry and a relationship with the TFN. We want to make sure we respect them and um, be a good neighbor to them because that's what I believe God's called us to be. Absolutely. So our hope for this episode was just that we would be able to learn what God's vision for us is, and that is to be a people who are compassionate, a people who don't just walk on by. And like Paul just said, people who are good neighbors and know how to listen well. So we thank you for tuning in today, and we hope that this episode will be thought-provoking for you. Thank you.